Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. chapter 6. I, I, I do want to just come on the tail end of that and say I'm so thankful for missions opportunities like Builders for Christ. I'm thankful for the ones that are strictly evangelistic like we do in Guatemala uh, where we go out and we share door-to-door with folks and, and other things like that. And of course Guatemala has some construction to it as well but God created us all with different skills and there are men and women who truly serve God with their hands. They're just that's how they that's how they operate. That's how God made them. And so there are multiple ways to serve God. And I'm, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for that Builders for Christ team. And Miss Donna Kay, wasn't it so good to see that broom in Pastor Paul's hands? My goodness. <laughs> Need to see more of that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wonder this morning, when you need some help, to whom do you turn? In January of 2019, a little boy in Lafayette, Indiana, he, he found himself in need of some help with some math homework. Been there and done that, right? Well, he had been studying fractions in school, and it just wasn't making sense after he got home, so he turned to a place where he had always heard help could be found. He picked up the phone, and he dialed 911. And the conversation went something like this, 911. Uh, hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, replied the dispatcher. Her name was Antonia Bundy. She was on the other end. Uh, oh, okay, um, I had a really bad day. I, I, I just, uh, oh, you had a bad day at school? Yeah, I just called to tell you that. Yeah, what happened at school that made your day a bad day? Oh, I just got tons of homework, the little boy said. Oh, what, well, what subject? Do you have homework in? Math. It's so hard, he said. <laughs> so what do you learn in math, the dispatcher said. What's difficult? Fractions, he said. I'm no good at fractions. Oh, you're, you're bad at fractions, she responded. Now, at that point, you might expect, she's figured out this is not an emergency. So you might expect that she would scold the boy for misusing emergency services, but that's not what she did. She sent something different in this little boy and so she decided to take a different course surprisingly she actually took a few minutes to help the boy with a math problem and after news of this broke she said in an interview she's here's what she told the news she said when he told me he was having a bad day and I asked him what was troubling him uh, troubling him he told me he had had homework and at that point I was able to determine it was more of a I need help with homework than an actual emergency I've always been good at math, she said. All the way through high school, I enjoyed it. So it was something I was very happy 
that I could help him with. And on that phone call, you could actually find this on Twitter and listen to the phone call. She went on to cheerfully walk him through a math problem, calling it a nice break in her otherwise busy day. And as the call was wrapping up, the little boy said this. He said, look, I'm sorry for calling you. He implied, of course, he, he knew he shouldn't have called the emergency number to do homework. Then he said this, but I really need to help. To which she assured him, you're fine, sweetheart. We're always here to help. She wanted to encourage that little boy that he had come to the right place, to the right person where help could always be found. Now, as we begin to wrap up this series today that we've called Pray This Way, walking through the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, we close with a very similar encouragement. Jesus has taught us all the way through here to come to our Heavenly Father for help. And beloved, I want to declare to you this morning that when you come to your Father, you have come to the right place. Amen? Look, when you come to the person of our Father, you have come to the place where help can always be found. Now, how are we encouraged this way in the Lord's Prayer? We're encouraged by these 13 simple words. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. These 13 simple words are a reminder of whom we are praying to. Right? Because this is the one to whom we're praying, right? He is the one who, who, who owns the kingdom, who's powerful, who's glorious, and he always will. So I want us this morning to read together the fullness of the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Stand with me. We're going to read this together. Now before I do that, I want to state, I want to make clear that we're going to read this morning the Lord's Prayer from the Legacy Standard Bible. I, I normally preach from the English uh, Standard Version, but this morning we're going to read from the Legacy Standard Bible. I'll explain why in just a moment, okay? But let's read this aloud together. I think it's going to be on your screen. There it is. Let's read it together. Pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we come in the name of Jesus. And this prayer, as you've taught us to pray, we want to take this to heart. Not the actual words, God, that we're to recite back to you when we pray, but these are categories as we've talked about. These are encouragement. These are examples, Lord. And you close out this prayer. You kept it in scripture for us lord that we might be encouraged to come to your heavenly father our heavenly father so help us lord it's in jesus name we ask this amen and amen go ahead and grab your seat there so in the fullness of the lord's prayer if you were here on wednesday night i, I kind of touched on this just a little bit it begins with a praise our Father who is in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Now, we actually looked at that in the, in the series here as a petition, and it is. God, I pray that your name would be hallowed, but in one sense it could be taken as a praise. God, your name is holy. Your name is set apart and high above. So it begins with a praise, but then it continues with petitions, which we've looked at over the course of the last four weeks. Bring your kingdom, Father. Do your will. Give us daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Keep us daily from temptations and deliver us ultimately from the evil one. So we have praise, we have petitions, but then it closes with a proclamation. And yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I said a moment ago, that we had to read that today out of the Legacy Standard Bible. And the reason for that is that almost all newer translations do not include that phrase, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, in the actual text, okay? They have it footnoted, but it's not in the actual text. Again, I, I normally preach from the English Standard Version, the ESV. It's not there, it's in the footnote. It's not in the 2020 New American Standard Bible. It's, it's not in the international version, the, the New International Version. It's not in the Christian Standard Bible. They all leave this phrase out of the text, and they put it as a footnote. But you'll find it in the Legacy Standard Bible, uh, also in the 1995 New American Standard Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and of course, the King James Version. But here's the interesting thing. Even those that leave it in the text, like the Legacy Standard Bible, they typically bracket this phrase. I want you to see it on the screen here. I want you to notice how that phrase, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Do you notice there that it is bracketed? Now, why is that? Why do some leave this phrase out of the text, simply footnote it? Why do others that typically leave it in the text bracket it? And here's the reason. Scholars question if Jesus actually said this phrase when he taught it in the Lord's Prayer. Now, why in the world do they believe that? Well, here's the reason why. You see, it's, it's not found in the earliest manuscripts that we have of the Bible. Now, our scholars, here's the deal. If, if you understand something about the uh, textual uh, the, the science of, 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 of textual um, text gathering and, and interpretation and, and uh, translation and all that, one of the, the key things we have to understand is that our scholars do not actually have the books of the Bible that each author personally wrote, okay? We don't have what's called the original autographs. We have reasonably, ha you know, uh, early handwritten copies of, of what could have been the original autographs. And we certainly have many, many, many handwritten copies of the copies. These are what's called manuscripts. A handwritten copy is called a manuscript. Now keep in mind, as you hear that, it's like, oh my goodness, what's the deal with that? Well, keep in mind, there, there were no Xerox machines 2,000 years ago. And God in His providence caused men <laughs> to want to copy this down. There were scribes and they were very, they took it very seriously that they would copy down the text, that it could be translated and, and transmitted to the next 
duration. Keep in mind the, the ancient paper, the papyri, the animal skins with which these people had to write with. They de deteriorated quickly. They easily went away. And so it was a constant thing where, where men of God had to copy these manuscripts and pass them along. And here's the really neat thing. We actually have over 25,000 manuscripts of the Bible. Now, when you think about ancient stuff, like some of the most ancient uh, texts that you think about, like, like um, stuff from Homer and all of those things, do you realize how many copies of those we have? We only have like 10 manuscripts of some of those ancient documents. Only 10. Yet with the Bible, God and His providence... He kept for us over 25,000 manuscripts that we might be able to put together the Word of God with accuracy. While we don't have the original autographs that Paul wrote with his own hand or as Amenuensis wrote with his own hand or, or Peter wrote with his own hand, we have the very Word of God. We can go back through these sources and figure that out. In fact, Almost 6,000 of the manuscripts that we have are in the Greek language which the New Testament was written in. So they are very, very early. Listen, there is more evidence for the Bible's authenticity than any other work of ancient literature. But the earliest manuscripts do not have this phrase. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, most contemporary scholars, they, they believe that, that this, this reality is because some well-meaning scribe somewhere along the way added this phrase. But scholar Leon Morris, he contends a different argument here. He, he contends that this phrase may be absent for another reason. Here's what he says. He says, it may be argued that it's unlikely that a first century Jewish prayer should conclude without a doxology and that its absence in many manuscripts may be because it was simply assumed, while in others it was explicitly included. He, he, he concludes this on the whole. He said, On the whole, it seems probable that it was a liturgical edition made early in the life of the church, but we should not regard this as certain. In the case of the, of the doxology, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, it's stronger than many students Assume the case for that being included is stronger than many students assume. So, if it was perhaps a scribal edition, why do we include it at all? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Well, number one, this phrase was in the manuscript that the King James translators used. The, the text, the manuscript is called the Textus Receptus. All right? And it was in there. It was in that manuscript. And so when they began to translate the King James Bible, it was brought into our English text. And since the King James Version was the standard Bible for over 300 years in the English-speaking church, we have come to know this phrase as part of the Lord's Prayer. Let me ask you this question, just a raise of hands. How many of you all memorized the Lord's Prayer with this phrase in it? We all did. We all memorize it with this phrase. I've said it hundreds and, and hundreds of times over the course of my life. So it is an English-speaking tradition. 
But I want to say this more than that, and this, this is why I would argue that we included, <laughs> that's why I'm preaching on it this morning, is because of the second reason. I include this phrase in this sermon series because it is a biblical phrase. You say, well, I, wait a minute, I thought you said it could have been inserted by a scribe. That part was perhaps, we're not sure. But it is thoroughly a biblical phrase. Whoever this well-meaning scribe was, who perhaps inserted this phrase into the Lord's Prayer, probably had in mind King David's proclamation about the Lord in 1 Chronicles 29, 10-13. through 1 Chronicles 9, 10-13. Look at this with me. <laughs> and when I saw this, my, my jaw dropped. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Isn't that amazing? Right there it is. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if this is indeed a scribal edition in Matthew 6, the scribe was very smart. He knew his Bible well, and so he was just adding the Bible to the Bible. Amen. And that, that's why for me, that's why for me, look, I have no problem whatsoever saying this phrase and saying it with the full authority of Scripture. Because it is a Bible phrase. And you shouldn't have a problem with it either, I believe. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is a wonderful encouragement for you and me to turn to God for help. Because it so beautifully reminds us who this God is to whom. Jesus is preaching us, or teaching us to, to pray to. That's what the for. Do you notice that there in the phrase? For yours is the kingdom. The word for is there in the beginning of this phrase. It's there for a reason. The word for is synonymous with because. Right? It's a, it's a causation type word. I ask these things because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In other words, Father, you can accomplish all that I ask because this is who you are. You can accomplish, Father, all of the Lord's prayer. So here's today's truth I want you to take away from this text. It's simply this. Our Father can accomplish all the Lord's prayer because he is. And we're going to look at three things that's listed in this closing proclamation. First, our Father can accomplish all of the Lord's prayer because he is absolute. He is absolute. He is absolute owner. 
He is absolute ruler. He's absolute decision maker. When I, when I read that word for yours is the kingdom forever, that's what I think of. He is absolute. And the scripture attests to this all throughout. As for being absolute owner. Beloved, consider Deuteronomy 10, 14. The scripture says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens the earth with all that is in it not just heaven but the heaven of heavens and the earth and all that is in it consider psalm 24 verse 1 the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein look i, I could go on and on with verse after verse declaring the absolute ownership of God he is creator and as creator he has full rights over every square inch it was theologian Abraham Kuyper who famously said there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which God who is Lord over all does not exclaim mine it's all his it's all and when we go to our Father in prayer, we go to the one who absolutely owns everything. He is absolute owner. He's also in this mindset, this idea of being absolute, he's also absolute ruler. He's absolute ruler. Consider Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord, the Bible says, has established his throne in the heavens. And his kingdom rules over all. I know it's weird for us in America to think about kings and whatnot. But if you just picture a king on a throne who says, do this and it's done. And who says, this will be and it is. That's the kind of God that we have. The kind of God who is a king who says, these will be the laws of my domain and it will be. There's no bipartisan house of representatives and senate duking it out and filibustering each other and a president who comes along and vetoes it and all of that mess and then a supreme court come along behind it to overturn this or that or to uphold this or that knowing the kingdom of god he is absolute ruler he says it will be and it is considered over and over again where God is described in 1 Timothy 6.15. We could, we could point to a hundred verses, but 1 Timothy 6.15, speaking of Jesus Christ, but extended to, to, to God in general. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord. You know, we often use that word sovereign as an adjective, and it's a great adjective. It means able to do anything, right? It, it, sometimes we use the word sovereign to almost mean almighty. But it also, like it is right here, used as a noun. He is the ultimate ruler. He is sovereign. He reigns over all. He's absolute ruler, y'all. He's absolute ruler but consider this also he's the absolute decision maker consider psalm 135 verse 6 
One, uh, Psalm 135, verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deep. Or how about Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10? I love this verse. The Bible says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. This is God testifying about Himself, right? I am God and there is none like me. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel will stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. Beloved, God is absolute. And because He's absolute, He can accomplish all of the Lord's prayer. And so you can turn to this absolute God help second this morning our father can accomplish all the lord's prayer because number two he's omnipotent i know this kind of bleeds into the fact that he's a sovereign and and he's going to accomplish all that he purposes but nevertheless it's a it's a different word here right when i think of the when i hear the word yours is the power forever i immediately think of god's omnipotence all potent all powerful all there is nothing in his holy will that he cannot accomplish now for those of you who are in college or about to go to college or maybe you just got out of college there's always going to be some knucklehead philosophy professor who's going to try to trip you up and try to put a a a a, a foolish um conundrum out there for you that's going to try to either make you say god is not all powerful or something like that right can god build a rock that he cannot move i mean they're going to say things like that and for a young person who's never come in contact with that it's going to begin to like oh no what do i say to this now listen to what i just said god is able to do all his holy Whatever he puts his mind to, whatever is logically possible in his holy will, he will accomplish. Jeremiah 32, verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. And then it declares this, Nothing is too hard for you. Consider the words of Jesus in Matthew 19 26 when he looked at them and he said with man this is impossible but with God what all things are possible why because God is omnipotent finally this morning I would point you to this he's glorious he is glorious he is amazing he is marvelous he is unreal. He is astounding. Right? We could just pile up adjectives and synonyms here. Break out the thesaurus and be here all day long. But he is glorious. He is amazing. I think of Psalm 97 when I think about a text that not just tells us that God is glorious, but tells us how he is glorious. Psalm 97 verse 1 through 6 says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many con, uh, coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. 
His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim His righteousness and all the peoples see His glory. He is glorious. And because He is glorious, He works to magnify His glory. That's why when we go to Him, he, we know that He's going to work to accomplish His glory in this world. And look, check this out. His glory is our good. Amen? What glorifies Him is good for us. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallow your name, bring your kingdom, do your will, give us daily bread, forgive us our daily sins, keep us daily from temptations, and deliver us ultimately from the evil one, and do all of this because yours is the kingdom power and the glory forever amen amen in march of 2009 dutch artist johan vanderdong he decided that god needed the telephone number <laughs> what a digital age right and so he got him one he got god a telephone number a cell phone number to be exact to show that god was available anywhere and anytime and in those times when people needed something he began to publish God's number where they could literally pick up their phone and call a line and in a very short time within one week over a thousand people left a message for God over a thousand people now that sounds pretty cool but here's the deal when they called here's what they heard this is the voice of God. I am not able to speak to you at the moment. Please leave a message. <laughs> I mean, what does that do to help us? Beloved, listen to me. You don't need a phone line. Praise God. You don't need an email. You don't need an instant messenger. God has given you prayer. And you can go directly to our king our our glorious god right and our powerful god you can go right to him for help and you can be assured that help will be found our father can accomplish all the lord's prayer because he's absolute omnipotent and Here's my final prayer this morning. May this full understanding of our Father foster daily prayers that fill 